We're going to jump right in here. We are continuing a series that we started last week. It's just a simple two-parter, and uh, it's called Purposeful Living, or you could just say Living Purposefully, however you want to go with that, and it's not flee like F-E-L-E-A, flee, purposefully. See what I did there? Purposefully. But anyway, guys, uh, this series is one of those things that, that I wanted to plant deep in our hearts because uh, one of the things that I hear quite often from people is, what is it that I'm here for? Like, I don't know if you've ever asked that question. What on earth am I actually here for? What am I supposed to be doing with this life that I've been given? And, and I wanted to start here with uh, just a few verses that set the tone for what we'll be talking about. But really what we're trying to do is answer this question, what on earth am I here for? But I'll start with this. In Proverbs eleven twenty eight. listen to this. A life devoted to things is a dead life, a stump. A God-shaped life is a flourishing tree. You see the contrast that Proverbs is trying to show us is that there's, we know what a dead stump looks like, but we also know what a flourishing tree looks like. And he's, the writer is painting this kind of contrasted picture for us to see that when we are with God and doing the things that God has called us to, we will experience a life that is flourishing, that's dynamic. It's not dead and stumpy if you know what I mean. In Jeremiah 17, 7 through 8, listen to these words from the prophet. He said, blessed are those who trust in the Lord. Did you see that? Trust in the Lord. They are like trees planted along a riverbank with roots. Everybody say roots. Roots that reach deep into the water. We know that if there aren't roots that deep, reach deep into the soil, into the water, that tree will what? Die. Then watch this. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried about long months of drought. Perhaps you're in a drought right now. Perhaps you've been in a drought for the last two years. I talk to people all the time that have been in a funk or a drought for the last two years because of the world around us and the things that we've been experiencing. Some of you have the heat on. You know what I mean? The heat is on in your life. Maybe at work, maybe in your relationship. I don't know. But this is what I love about this. Listen, listen, listen. Listen to this promise. Their leaves will stay green and they will go right on producing delicious fruit. So in the middle of your heat, in the middle of the drought and the challenges, the Bible says you can continue producing delicious fruit. Why? Because your roots have gone deep into the things of God. And it's there that you find the nourishment that you need so that you can flourish in life. Whew, come on. Is that not good? This is what God wants you to see. This is what this series is about, is trying to get us to understand that what we see sometimes in life may not be the purpose that God has for us. And so if you want to live under what the world says, go ahead. But if you want to live under what God says, then listen up. Because this is what I think we all need to see when we ask this question. What in this world, what on earth am I here for? What am I supposed to be doing? How am I supposed to be living? Uh, listen to this in Colossians 1.16. For everything, everybody say everything. everything. Absolutely everything. 
above and below, invisible and invisible. Everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him. He is the beginning and the end. He created you and it's in him that you find everything that you need, your purpose, your understanding, who you are. All of it is found there. And so when you begin to ask the question, what on earth am I here for? You have to start with the one that made you. You have to start with the one that understands everything, that started everything, that purposed everything, that created everything. Does that make sense? And so we have to start here. But one of the mistakes that we make, one of the problems that we make, and Pastor Rick Warren pointed this out, is that sometimes what happens is in our effort to find our purpose and discover what life is really about, we simply look to ourselves to find the answers. And what he goes on to say, and I I love this, it's the opening line to his book, The Purpose Driven Life. If you've never read it, I encourage you to read it, but this is the first sentence, and it messes me up every time. It's not about you. It's not about you. Now, I know when I say that, there's some of us that are like, yeah, yeah, that's good. It's not about you. And you're thinking about somebody in your life. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about. We have a hard time applying this to ourselves, but we love to apply it to other people. See, it's not about you. It's not about me. It's not about what I desire. I want all the time. It's, 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 it's about his purposes and his plans. And I just know this and I've learned this over the years. And as I've studied the Bible, the moment that I decide to trade in my desires and my wants and the things that I long for, the things that I ordain as the things of God simply because I, I, I misinterpreted a scripture, a passage of scripture that says God wants to give you the desires of your heart. And we misapply that and we, we think what that means is everything I want. Is that when we finally say, you know what, it's not about me. I trade in my desires. I trade in my wants and all of that. I trade it in. I trade in my story. Come on. For a role in his great story. Do you see what I'm getting at? Is that you, 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 you stop becoming the hero of every story. And you realize that Jesus is the hero of the story. And that you are a part of that story simply because he created you and made you and purposed you with a plan. Not to be the hero. But to be the one that lifts up the hero. And when we get that. We engage a part of us that was created by God to worship him and to glorify him and to serve him. And when that happens, the moment that happens, you begin to live out the purpose that God has called you to. And so, see, you were made by God and for God. Did you know that? And until you understand that, life will never make sense. It just won't. You can try and try and look and look and search and search. But at the end of the day, if you want to know what your life is to be about, if you want to know what you're here on this earth to do and to be, then you have to go to the one that can help you. And his name is Jesus. And so last week we talked about two purposes in a group of five. And so for some of you that were like here last week and you got your two and you've been just nervous all week that you weren't going to get the other three. I'm just so glad that you showed up 
because I have the other three for you today. I know, I know. Some of you are like, yes, it's so good. Life is, everything is right in the world again. So we'll get there. But I want to start with the first two purposes that we talked about last week. And that is this. Number one is that you were planned for God's pleasure. I don't know if you know that, but the Bible very clearly says that we were designed by God to worship him. And one of the things I said is if that you don't understand this, what will happen because you're designed to worship, God made you to worship. What will happen is you will worship something. And if you replace God, then what will happen is you will begin to worship that thing that you desire most. And that thing will sit on the throne of your heart and you will worship it just like you are supposed to be worshiping God. And that is how God made us. That's why all of us have a propensity to idolatry in our lives, whether we know it or not. And so, so that's the first, is that we have to recognize that we are planned for God's pleasure. And if you missed any of that, you can go back and listen to that from last week. Number two, number two, is you were formed for God's family. I don't know if you know that you were formed for God's family. You were formed to be connected in the family of God. And I talked about what I would consider a heresy, that this idea that I can just kind of be me and Jesus and everything's going to be all right. The problem is, you can believe that. The problem is, is that the Bible doesn't teach that. And so you have to understand that the community of faith is absolutely critical, not to your salvation necessarily, but to your transformation. And so tr being transformed in the image of Jesus is really hard to do by yourself. Because yeah. I don't know if, if you know this, but you sometimes get it wrong. <gasps> Did you know that? I mean, if you don't know that, ask somebody close to you. Ask your spouse. Because, see, we all, all want to be right. I love to be right. Matter of fact, I've said this before. These, this has come out of my mouth before. I'm just going to be transparent here. This has come out of my mouth, and maybe you've said it or thought it, but it's come out of my mouth. I'm just going to confess to you is that if the world would just do what I tell them to do, this thing is going to be fine. Now, you may not be that arrogant. But I've said it. And there are probably times in my life that I mean it. But here's the thing. I have to have people in my life that sometimes say, you know, Daniel, you might be a little off there. You know what I mean? You have to have people around you that can help you and, and, and make you uh, think about things and, 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 and contrast things. And, and, you know, I see what you're saying. And maybe you're right. And Oh, maybe, just maybe it's not about me. <laughs> you know? And so we need to be formed in God's family. And so those were the two purposes that we dealt with last week. But today I want to dive into these three. So all of you that are ready for your three, here they come. Number three, purpose number three that you were created for. What on, what on earth am I here for? You were created to become like Christ. Number three is you were created to become like Christ. Listen to this in Colossians 2.7. Let your roots, you see that word again, roots. It's starting to kind of see a theme here. Let, let your roots grow down into who? Christ. So, so, so we're being instructed to let our roots grow down into Christ and draw up nourishment from him. Now that's really critical because when we talk about 
Christianity, we talk about it as a relationship with God. We don't talk about it as a religion. Religion says do, right? Relationship says done. In other words, Jesus did what he needed to do on our behalf so that we could have relationship with God. There's nothing we can do to deserve it ever again. And so here's the thing. You are in relationship with God. And what happens is that as you're in relationship with Jesus, your roots begin to grow deep down and they are nourished by him. You understand that because you understand the context of relationships, yes? And so when you spend time in a relationship with someone, you notice that you get to know them. You see what they're about. You can anticipate what's on their mind and their heart. I mean, it's crazy. I've been married for... I have been married for 20 years. I know. Thank you. I've been married for 20 years. I can say it. And here's the thing. I can sit in a room and see my wife from across the room and I can almost tell you what's going on with her. You know what I mean? Like, I I just see her face. I see her body language. I know what's going on. I can be like, you know, something's, she's good. Or I can say, "Uh uh-oh, something's wrong. You know what I mean? It's crazy. But why are you able to do that? Because you've spent time in. You've put time in. There's a a nourishment in in that relationship that's come that you begin to get to know each other. And see, this is what I'm trying to get at is that God doesn't want to save you just so that you'll do all the right things. God is interested in saving you so that you can be in relationship with his son, Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit. And so so let your roots grow down into Christ and draw up nourishment from him. Listen to this. See that you go on growing in the Lord and become strong and vigorous in the truth. It doesn't say weak and puny. And some of us right now, if we were honest, would say spiritually, you are feeling weak and puny. And I will suggest to you today that the reason that is, is because you're not spending any time with the one that can help you. You see what I'm getting at? I think it's true that we have all of God that we want. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, think, I believe that. I think we have all of Jesus that we want. Because, see, Jesus isn't holding back. But sometimes we do. Sometimes we run to other things that we think will satisfy us. We run to this. We run to that. Oh, please, will you, you know. And Jesus is like, hey, hey, kid. I love you so much. You're my son. You're my daughter. Why don't you just come to me? Because everything you need is right here. And you'll be nourished and you'll grow and you'll become strong and vigorous. And you'll be able to fulfill this purpose. Listen, purpose three is you were created to become like Christ. And the only way you become like Christ is you got to know who? Christ. (laughs) Do you see what I'm getting at? If If you take that out, you're kind of in a pickle. Romans 8, 29 says this, listen. God knew what he was doing from the very beginning. Do you believe that? He knew what he was doing from the very beginning. So if we can accept that, then that means that his plan is pretty good. He goes on, he said, he decided. He decided from the outset to shape the lives of those who love him along the same lines as the life of his son. We see, listen to this, the original and intended shape of our lives there in 
him. Why are we able to see the original and intended shape of our life? Well, because he's the one that created it. He's the one that originated. He is the OG, if you know what I mean. He is. And so it starts with him. And so when we go to him, we can find our purpose. And here's the purpose. We are called to become like the original, not a fake. Do you see what I'm getting at? It's not that that I'm supposed to just be a version. No, I'm supposed to become like Jesus in this world through the power of God. That is his plan. And that has been his plan, his decided plan from the beginning. Listen to this in Colossians 1.15. We look at his son and see God's original purpose. See, God's original purpose is found in the son, in everything, in everything created. And so it's there that we can find our purpose. Listen to this. Pastor Rick Warren says it this way. He says, God's ultimate goal for your life on earth is not comfort, but character development. What? I thought, I thought it was all about me. I thought it was about me being comfortable. It was, oh, come on. If that's a surprise to you, listen up. God's ultimate goal for your life on earth is not comfort, but character development. But then listen, he goes on to say this. He says, sadly, a quick review of many popular Christian books reveal that many believers have abandoned living for God's great purpose and settled for personal fulfillment and emotional stability. And then he says this line, and it messes me up every time I hear it. He says, that is narcissism, not discipleship. Jesus did not die on the cross just so that we could live comfortable, well-adjusted lives. His purpose is far deeper. He wants to make us like himself before he takes us to heaven. This is our great privilege, our immediate responsibility, and our ultimate destiny. Do you see what I'm getting at? See, see, you have a purpose in life, and your purpose is to become more like Jesus. Discipleship is a process of conforming our lives to Jesus Christ. And it is a journey that we all must be on if we ever hope to reflect the character and nature of God to the world around us. And so the purposes so far are we were planned for God's pleasure. We were formed for God's family. We were created to become like Christ. And number four, number four, you were shaped for serving God. You were shaped for serving God. Listen to this in 1 Corinthians 3, 5 through 6. We are simply God's servants. Does it get any more clear? We are simply God's servants. Each one of us does the work which the Lord gave him to do. I planted seeds. Apollos watered the plant. But it was God who made the plants grow. See, we were designed to serve God. Listen to this in Ephesians 2, 10. It is God himself who made us what we are and given us new lives from Christ Jesus. Now listen. And long ages ago, he planned. Can you get your brain around that for just a second? I love this. I love that long ages ago, 
God planned for you and for me to do certain things. That just blows my mind to think about. And it says, and long ages ago, he planned that we should spend our lives in helping others. Did you notice it doesn't say helping ourselves? It says in helping others. See, we were called to serve God. We were called to serve people. And then Jesus says this so profoundly in John 17. If you've ever read John 17, it's such a powerful chapter because it's where Jesus is earnestly praying to God and he's talking with his father and he's talking about his disciples who, who, who one day will be taking over the kingdom. You know what I mean? And he's talking about them and he's praying for them and he's thinking about them. And this is what he writes. He says, Jesus, Jesus said this and John wrote it down. He says, I glorified you on earth by completely pleading down to the last detail what you had assigned me to do. And then he goes on to say, and God, would you help them complete their assignment as well? I love the fact that Jesus is praying for me to complete the assignment he's given me. Isn't that cool to think about? That you're not on your own, that God has planned in advance and that Jesus is praying and the Holy Spirit is empowering you for the things that God has purposed you for. Woo-wee! Come on. Are you guys awake? <laughs> Glory to God, that's good. Yeah. See, 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 that's what we have to understand. And so, see, we were put on this earth to make a contribution. Yeah. Each one of us. And I don't know if you noticed earlier when I read out of Romans 8, I, I thought this was curious. There's two different times in that passage where the word shape is repeated. Shape. So it says the outset to shape the lives. Intended shape for our lives. So, so, so there's something about how God has formed and shaped us. And so let's take that word for just a second. Because I think shape can help us understand what we're supposed to be doing. Because I don't know if you've ever asked this question. Okay, I get you. I understand the purpose in the general. But, but what about the more specific? What, what, what does it mean for me specifically to apply all of these purposes? And so here's a word that I think can be helpful to you. Taking the word shape, each one representing something with the first letter. Here's the first, spiritual gifts. Did you know that you've been given spiritual gifts by God? I don't know if you know that. But the Bible says that when you became a follower of Jesus, there were spiritual gifts given to you for the purpose, listen to me, for the purpose of edifying, encouraging, and lifting up the body of Christ. You have specific gifts that God has given you to encourage and lift up the body of Christ. This house in particular. Heart is the next one. The H of shape. Heart. In other words, there are things in your heart that God has put in you that he wants you to do something with. You know, the easiest way I found this is what makes you angry. Like when you watch things, go to, you know, listen to the news. What makes you angry? What stirs you up? That could be an indication that God has given you a righteous indignation or burden for something that he wants you to be doing something about. There's a heart there that God has given you. Now, you may have a heart for something that I don't have a heart for. And that's okay. Because we all need to have a heart for something. The next is A, which is ability. So you've got spiritual gifts, heart, and ability. You have certain abilities that that you can be using for the kingdom of God. Now, I don't know what yours is, but like me, one of my abilities is I can talk. Like, I'm just good at that. I, I, I can talk. Uh, 
you may have a gift of something else. You know, it, it can go as deep as, you know, or detailed as I can make stuff. Right? Like you may be good at that. I can't. I, I'm the worst at making stuff. Everything I make is crooked or broken. And so, so, so now, now I can make a sermon, right? But you may be able to make a table. Uh, I don't know what your abilities are, but God has given you and formed in you some abilities that he wants you to use for his kingdom. The, uh, and then the P of shape, personality. You have a particular personality. God has wired you. Let me, listen to me. You are hardwired by God to do certain things. From the very beginning, there were things that were formed in you, in your personality, that God now wants to utilize for the kingdom of God. Like me, I'm an extrovert. I don't know if you know that. It's true. Um, and then there are introverts. My wife is more introverted. Okay. Now, here, here's the thing, though. That doesn't mean we can't lead. Some of the greatest leaders and greatest preachers in the world are introverts. So it's not about that. It really is about what gives you energy and what doesn't. So like, I, when I'm around people, I gain energy. As long as they're not like mean and ornery all the time. <laughs> Complaining all the time. That doesn't give me energy. But being around people typically gives me energy. Introverts usually need to take a nap afterwards. They need to recharge. They need to kind of be alone for a while just to kind of get their bearings again. And that's okay. Knowing those things can help you figure out what God wants you doing in your life, right? And then the, the last is E. So we have shape, but E is experience. There are experiences in your life, good and bad. Listen, there are good and bad experiences that God wants to redeem and form so that you can help other people. Some of you have been through some really hard things that God wants to redeem so that he can help other people that are going through those same things. And some of you have been through some really cool things, some really good things that God wants to take and make sure that they're shared with people so that they can be inspired and encouraged by the, the story that you have to share. Do you see what I'm getting at? All of those things matter. All of those things can shape. And so here's the thing. Hopefully you're like, oh, yeah, I've got something. I've got something. I've got something. But here's the question I want to ask all of us. And this is the question we all have to answer is, do you know what these things are? Okay, that, that's the first one. Do you know what these things are? Do you know what your shapes are? And then finally, and here's where the rub is. Stick with me. Are you using them for the kingdom of God? Are you using them to edify the body of Christ? Come on. It's not enough to know it. You have to do something with it, the Bible says. Because I believe this 100%, and I believe the Bible teaches this, that if I do not use a gift or a seed that God gives me, what can happen is the enemy will come by and start to steal it from me. And so you are called to use your giftedness. For the kingdom of God. And I just want to say this. Come on. We live in a culture right now. Don't get mad at me. Don't get mad at me. Stay with me. We live in a culture right now that about, if you go around the country right now, most churches right now are functioning at about 50% of what they were before the pandemic. 50% people. That's important to know. So what that means is, is that we are trying our best to continue doing the things that God has called us to do with 50% less of what we had. And I'm saying these things because I love you. I'm your pastor. And I need to tell you this. You have gifts that need to be used by God. 
And the church needs you to use those gifts so that we can continue the mission that God has called us to. Is that okay? Is that okay? Because, guys, that's how it works. There's no plan B. You are the plan. And so we've got to get real serious about where we are as a country, as a world, as a culture, in face of the challenges that we're looking at and realize that, yes, that's bad. Yes, I could, get in, uh, I could maybe get sick or maybe I could even die. But here's the thing. Is it not worth my life? And I know that that's not a popular teaching, but that is biblical straight from the mouth of God. And so if you want to get mad at me, get mad at Jesus. Because last time I checked, he said, deny everything. Walk away from everything. Do whatever it takes to fulfill my kingdom. Jesus. And so let me just bring it down. Jesus. I hope you receive that because you know that I love you. And not because I'm mad at you because I am not. Because we're going to be all right. Because Jesus is on the throne. I'm not worried. I'm not scared. I'm not freaking out. Matter of fact, in the pandemic, our money has gone up in Jesus' name. Because that's what God does. God's always faithful. And so we just need to recognize that we have a job to do. And, and, and God has a plan for each one of us. So let's know what these are and let's begin to put them into place. I love this Danish proverb that says this. What you are is God's gift to you. And then he says, what you do with yourself is your gift to God. Isn't that good? Say, I don't know if you know what your shape is. But if you don't, go ahead and sign up for Elevate in November. Start seeking it out. Find out what your giftedness is. Find out what these things are so that you can begin offering them to the kingdom of God. I'm almost done. I have one more purpose to share with you, but I wanted to read this from Pastor Rick Warren. He said this. Listen to this. This is fascinating to me. He says this. There are more than 750 Hall of Fames in America. Isn't that crazy? 750 Hall of Fames in America and more than 450 who's who publications. So so there's a lot of Hall of Fames and there's a lot of who's who's publications, but you won't find many real servants in these places. Is what he says. He says notoriety means nothing to real servants because they know the difference between, listen to me, prominence, and significance. It's not about me. It's not about me being lifted up or my name being in lights. It's about the fact that I understand that I'm significant because I'm a son. I'm significant because of who God says I am. I'm, a, I'm significant because Jesus has said these things about me. I'm significant when I just simply do my part. That's what God wants us to see. And the world wants to contort and twist that into, oh, if you're not praised, if you're not this, if you're not that, then somehow people don't love you and they don't care about you. And it's not true. God has established these things for us. And so purpose one, we're here to glorify God, right? We're here to bring him pleasure. Purpose two, we were created to be in family, in a, in a community of faith. We, we were intended by God, purposed by God to become more like Christ. We're intended to, to be servants in the kingdom of God. And then finally, purpose number five, you were made for the mission 
of God. You were made for the mission of God. Now, what does that mean? What does it mean to be made for the mission of God? Let me share a few things with you from Proverbs eleven thirty. Stick with me. This is important. This is not like, oh, he's almost done. No, stay, 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 stay. This is critical for you to understand what you're supposed to be here about, what you're supposed to be doing. Listen, Proverbs eleven thirty. the fruit of the righteous, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. And he who wins souls is what? Wise. The Bible is so clear that we have a job to do. And it's not just serving in the church. There's other things that we're called to do. John 17, 18, the same chapter that I was talking about earlier where Jesus is praying for his disciples. He said this, in the same way that you gave me a mission in this world, Jesus is saying this to God who gave him the mission that he had in this world. I give them a mission in this world. God has a mission for you in this world. And then Acts 20, 24, listen to this. The important the most important thing is that I complete my mission, the work that the Lord has given me. Do you understand what he's saying? I don't know if you do, but let me clarify it just so that you understand. See, the, the English word for mission comes from the Latin word sending. Did you know that you are a sent person? That if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you are sent. Your job is not just to come to church. Your job is to go into the world. You are designed by God to be light in the middle of a dark world, to share Christ with people who don't know Jesus, to give them what you have. See, we are a sent people. Matter of fact, Matthew 28, where Jesus is meeting with his disciples, you maybe have heard this, the Great Commission. Jesus meets with his disciples and he says to them, look, this is what you're supposed to be doing. Go into all the world and baptize those Baptize people with everything, with the power of God, with the Holy Spirit, with Jesus. Baptize them and teach them everything that I've taught you. And so it's very clear what Jesus says that we're supposed to be doing. He says, you now are supposed to go. I, I, I don't know if you've ever been skiing. Has anybody been skiing in here? I don't meet a lot of people in Missouri that go skiing, but you know. I used to go skiing all the time. Matter of fact, I think it's one of the reasons I became a youth pastor. I could just take ski trips with kids all day and teach them about Jesus. But we would go skiing all the time. And, and, and there's a huge difference between skiing in the spring and skiing in the winter. Because if you've never skied in the winter, this is what you'll learn real quick. It's cold. And so you take the, 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 the chair up to the top. And by the time you get up to the top, you are freezing. And so you get off of the chair and you find the closest warming hut and you go inside and you warm up before you make your run down, because if you don't, you're going to be cold. And so you spend a little time in the warming hut, you, you know, warming up, maybe getting a drink or some hot cocoa or whatever, getting your supplies or whatever you need to do. Then once you're warm, you take your run. And I thought that was such a beautiful picture of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. See, what happens is we think our job is just to come to church and warm ourselves and to stay by the fire and never leave. And guys, that is not God's plan. God's plan is that you would come in the house, that you would get warm and well-fed, encouraged and blessed and prayed up so that you can go back out into the world and do the things that God has called you to do, to share the message of Jesus Christ. And that is what you have been called to do. And so... 
What does that look like? Because, I mean, in the ethereal, it's like, yeah, okay, I see. I'm with you. Woo, warm. I'm warm now. Now I'm going to go tell them all about Jesus. How do I do that? I'm going to get real practical, just real practical, and then we'll be done. This is the, these are four thoughts I want to give you that are going to help you because this is how you share. This is how you participate in the mission. And the way that you do that is you're ready to share your testimony. You're ready to share what God has done in your life. Now, this is where everybody's like, okay, I'm out. I get it. It's scary. I was in a class in seminary, and um, it was called Servant as Evangelist. Doesn't that sound fancy? And what it was is a class about evangelism. And we had an old school revivalist preacher that was teaching this class. And I remember the first day of the class, he, he started to go through the syllabus. And, and I was like, I was tracking with him. And then there was a moment where he gets to the very end and he says, okay, uh, you're going to need to do some practice. I'm like, oh, no, what well, do we got to practice? And he says, well, I need you to go to three places in the city that you've never been to. And I want you to walk around and share Jesus with people. And then I want, to write, I want you to write those things up in a report about your experiences. Now, some of you are just like, I just dropped the class, <laughs> right? I couldn't drop the class because I had to have this class to graduate. It was essential. And so I hated this assignment. I really did. And I'm extroverted all get out, but I hated this assignment. And I remember I walked around a mall one time, kind of like waiting, watching for somebody, you know, almost, I bet I was like this creeper. <laughs> just looking for somebody that I could share the gospel with. I was, I was thinking maybe I could find an older, nice lady that was mall walking, you know, <laughs> that I could maybe just share the gospel with and she wouldn't be too mean to me or, you know what I mean? I just, and I remember going through these exercises and I did them, I did them, but man, it was hard. It was not easy. Now, some of you are like, I would never do that. If, if that's what you're asking me to do, I'm not going to do it. I, I get it. But here's the thing. There are opportunities all around you to share your faith with people. It's just a question of do you know it? Are you praying for it? And have you prepared yourself to give a testimony to it? And so if you will do those things, I believe God will give you an opportunity that you will not have to force. You do not have to stand on the street corner and yell at people that they're going to burn in hell if they don't turn. You don't have to do that. God will give you opportunity. And so, but you have to prepare the space. That's, see, that's what God does. He forms it before he fills it. Right. You have to form it, then he'll fill it. Does that make sense? And so here are a few questions that you can ask yourself in terms of preparing your testimony if you've never done it. Number one, what was my life like before I met Jesus? Just write that down. What was my life like before I met Jesus? Number two, how... Uh, how did I realize I needed Jesus? Like, what, what happened? What happened? Number three, how I committed my life to Jesus. And then finally, number four, the difference Jesus made in my life. And you put that in a paragraph. You write that down. And I believe if you'll pray over that paragraph and ask the Lord to give you opportunity, he will. I believe that. And so we are called to share our testimony. We are called to share these things with the world. Now, I don't know. Matter of fact, if you need scriptural support, here it is, 2 Timothy 4.2. 
Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all suffering and teaching. Do you see what I'm getting? With all long suffering and teaching. The Bible says very clearly we should be ready in season and out of season to give a testimony to what we believe. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Hacksaw Ridge. It's a, it's a doozy. Um, and so if, if war violence gets you, don't watch it. I'm just telling you, don't do it. Um, but it is an amazing story. It is an amazing story about a man named Desmond Doss. And I don't know if you know his story, but he was a, uh, an enlisted man. But he was also a pacifist. And he got into all kinds of issues and trouble because he was a pacifist in the army. See the problem? And the whole story is really about this conscientious objector who is trying to figure out how to participate in helping his country fight this war. And, uh, you know, and you, I, can't, I can't kind of share everything about the story. Eventually, they allow him to serve, and he serves as a medic. And he's a Christian man, and he serves as this medic, and they're fighting this battle. In matter of fact, it's called the Battle of Okinawa. And they're up on this hill, uh, this, this ridge that they call it, and they're fighting this horrible, oh, just horrible, bloody battle, and back and forth and back and forth, and people are dying left and right. And he's a medic, and he's a pacifist, and he's not going to pick up a gun. Do you see this? And what's so amazing, there's this scene in the, in the movie where, where everybody has left the ridge and, and there's this moment where all these bodies of soldiers, and many of them are alive, are, are starting to be like roped down the ridge to the bottom of the ridge so that they can find medical attention. And, and there's this powerful scene in the movie where he's just going back and forth, back and forth, finding injured people, and he's lowering them down, and he keeps saying this phrase, just one more. Lord, will you help me get just one more? And, and through that whole day and into the evening, he saved over 75 soldiers and was awarded the Medal of Honor. But I love this scene because it's so powerful of like, what in our lives if we finally got to a place where it wasn't about us, where we just actually thought about the fact that it was about building God's kingdom. It was about my character development. It was about me bringing worship to God. It was about me being a part of something that matters and serving people and becoming more like Jesus. Oh, wouldn't it be amazing if I got to a place that when I walked out of these doors, I would begin to walk out into the world believing that it's my job just to get one more, just to get one more, that by the time I get to heaven, I'm going to get one more. I'm committing myself to this reality. Wouldn't that be a beautiful thing? Imagine a church like that. Let's pray. God, I thank you. I thank you so much for your word, how it challenges us, how it shapes us, how it, how it just convicts us. Lord, thank you for your conviction today. If you're like me, I suspect there's some places in your life right now where you would absolutely admit that you have not honored God with. God doesn't want you to feel like a worm. He wants you to know that you're a son or a daughter of the Most High. And if you've given your life to Christ, that's true. And so what happens is you can start from that place and realize that the Father loves you 
and that he wants to help you. But all you have to do, all you have to do is just simply say, Lord, I haven't done that. I need to repent. I need to ask your forgiveness. I haven't honored you with my gifts. I haven't honored you with my spiritual gifts or my shape. I haven't honored you in my life lately. I've been sitting on the sidelines waiting for things to change. I've been a spectator in the kingdom of God. I haven't been a contributor. I've been afraid. I've been scared to get involved. I don't know what it is. I don't know your journey or your story. But I do know this, that now is your moment to simply get it right with God. And so if you want to do that today, I'm going to pray for you. God, I pray for anybody in this room that's ready to come back to the Lord, that's willing to say, Lord, I'm sorry. I've been focused on myself. I've been focused on my interests and my wants and desires. I'm sorry. I'm trading in my little story for my plan, for the role that you have in your grand story. Today, Lord, I'm I'm asking your forgiveness and I'm coming back and I'm going to give you everything I've got and I'm sorry. If that's you, just say those things to the Lord. Just, Just give it to him. God, I pray that this prayer would seal today in our hearts exactly what you want. And Father, I pray you'd light us on fire for your kingdom that as we walk out of this place, we would be committed to getting one more. God, help us. We will build your kingdom no matter what. Perhaps as I was talking, you would have to admit, maybe as I talked about having a relationship with Jesus, you'd have to say, you know, I just don't know if I've got that. I know I do stuff. Maybe I even do stuff for the church, but you'd have to say, I don't have a relationship. The Bible says you can. And so I want to give you an opportunity to respond to the gospel today. The Bible says that if you'll confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is who he says he is, that he's done what he says he's done, that he will come in and he will radically change everything. He will save you and redeem you and he will fill you. He will transform you everything that you need and so with heads bowed and eyes closed I just want to ask you this question do you know if, if, if it was over today would you spend eternity with God and if you wouldn't I want to give you a chance to respond and so with heads bowed and eyes closed I'm going to ask you to do something I just want you to simply take a step of faith and how I want you to do that is on the count of three I'm going to ask you just to raise your hand up No one's going to look at you or point you out. I just want to see your hand so I can pray for you. And so right now, on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to raise up your hand if you'd like to say this prayer. One, two, three. Go ahead. Just raise it up. In Jesus' name. God bless you. See your hands. God bless you. Good. Anybody else? All right. You can put your hands down. Church, let's all pray together. No one's praying alone in here. So we're going to pray this prayer together. Heavenly Father, I need a Savior. Will you save me? Will you be Lord of my life? Uh, I surrender to you. Fill me with your Spirit. Change me from the inside out. Show me my purpose choose this day to follow you in Jesus name 
Amen. Amen. Can we celebrate anybody that was making a decision today?